Hey good people and welcome back to Zealous Talks. We're in week 4 of our value series and we're talking about community. Here's a talk named Myths, Realities and Truth by Pastor Nana. We're going to be talking from the Bible and I want to tell you three things when it comes to a God-centered community. Can everybody say three things when it comes to a God-centered community? And I'm going to tell you about one myth. Everybody say one myth. One reality and truth. Okay, these are the three things that we're going to be talking about for the next few minutes. So I thought the best way to kind of, you know, title this talk is title it in the obvious way. So I want to, I've titled this talk for this evening called Myths, Realities and Truth. And, and, and I thought we can... There are a lot of ways to look at these three words or these three concepts or these three phrases, whatever you want to call it. But the best way for, for us to look at it in the context of the community is, is if we dive into the Bible, uh, to Ephesians, to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be reading a few verses from there. And, and this, is, this is Paul again, you know, we, we did for the past few weeks. We, we have been starting also from the book of Acts, you remember that one? Right? And, we, and we touched upon a lot of uh, journeys that Paul took and Paul ventured out. But today, this is Paul writing to the community of, of Ephesus or the church of Ephesians. And this is him talking or, or telling them or expressing his, his heart or rather expressing what's on God's mind or God's heart for the people of Ephesians through this chapter. And, and I love how Paul has set up this entire book of Ephesians where he's talking about the emphasis of what we just sang that how you and me as, as followers of Christ have true hope and love through Jesus, right? That's what he starts off by telling the, the Ephesians church. And he, does, he takes about three chapters to do that. And then from, from chapter 4, he starts talking to them about now that you know that you and me have Jesus Christ as our living hope or as the one who's died for you and for me and because of whom we have life or a shot at life or a shot at redemption, there are certain ways how you and me are to live our lives as Christ followers. And if you see, the, the book of Ephesians from chapter 4 to chapter 6 is set up in that way where Paul is continually encouraging how Christ followers ought to live their lives. Why am I giving you this background? Because while I was prepping for this evening, while I was looking at closing out on community this week, I, I really wanted to understand the, the, the city of Ephesians. Like who, who are the kind of people that stayed in, in, in Ephesians? And, and this is what I found, okay? Ephesians is, is not just like a small town or a district that we're talking about. The city of Ephesians was, one, was the third largest city during that time. Uh, in, the, in the entire, you know, Roman and Greek and, and all, the, all the Asia Minor that was spaced across at that time. The city of Ephesians was the third largest city and, and it, was, it was a center of trade. All the businessmen, all the business guys, this is, this is for you as well tonight, okay? It's a center of trade, commerce and culture and apparently it was a capital city of the Roman province of Asia. Now, hold on with me while I'm taking you through a little bit of history class, is that okay? Because I'm trying to set this up to help you understand the kind of people Paul is talking to. 
If I have to kind of fast forward like, you know, all these years and bring it, this is pretty much the kind of Bombay, if I would say, Paul is addressing. Now, now we sometimes fall into this thing that, okay, man, the, the book of the, the Bible is written so, such a long time back and I don't know if it kind of addresses the needs that we face. Like, how, how does the Bible address the, the talk about inflation? How, how, how does it address things about, like, you know, recession for that matter or how does it talk about you know depression and and Paul is writing to some of these same people who are facing some similar challenges that you and me are battling today everybody say same challenges Paul is talking to these guys and, and when Paul is addressing these guys he is getting down to the details of helping them understand this now like I said, we're going to be looking at three simple things. And, and I hope tonight's word can really help all of us extract the truth and the essence of the scripture that we're going to look into and apply it in our, in our daily lives. Is that okay? Because it's, it's one thing, you know, for, for you and me to, to keep on listening to something. It's one thing to know the truth and be enlightened by the truth. But it's a whole other thing to live it out. Anyone wants to live out the truth? Show of hands. Right, the rest of you are thinking. That's good. That if you're not sure, that it's still in a better place. Rather than just saying, no, I don't want to live it out. That would be a dangerous conversation to have. But of course, we won't have it right now. So you guys are okay. Keep, keep thinking along with us. But Paul is addressing certain things. So let's dive into Ephesians 4. And we're reading from verse 17 onwards. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation, and this is what Paul has to say. So, with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like the unbelievers. Like he's going at it from the beginning, okay? You should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because of their hearts, because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and their deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Because of spiritual apathy, they, sur they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. If you have really experienced the anointed one, everybody say really. really. Come on guys, let's do better. Really. really. Yeah, that's good. If you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, say this with me. It will be. Turn to the person next to you and say, it will be seen in your life. Oh, come on. Talk to the person, guys. Let's not go quiet tonight. It will be seen in your life. It will be seen in your life for we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man. The old self-life which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Now it's time to, may, to, may, to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you as your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you 
all over again in his perfect righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of his true holiness. Let's take a break. I know there's one verse that we can read. But this is Paul talking to the community of believers during that time. I really believe this is a very timely to us as a community as we are talking about community and, and as we are building this thing called Zealous. If you, if you really dig down and look into some of the things that Paul is talking about, sometimes, I don't know about you, but I have had this mental pressure growing up in a church setting that when you, when you come to church, you expect everything to be perfect around you. Anybody? Everything needs to be good when it comes to church. Why? Oh no, because you're talking about Jesus. Everything needs to be flawless. You guys, you guys talk about the truth. How can you have problems when you're talking about the truth? These are some of the thoughts that, that I, I don't know about you, but I have grown up and I have battled with these thoughts. But as, as, as you and me are building, uh, or as you and me are going to be looking at practicing this value called community, and if our action statement for community is that if everyone belongs and we need to continually extend our circle, I've got some news for you guys tonight. The perfect community is a myth. Some of you, if you're still wondering, I want to say that again. And that's, that's exactly how you heard it for the first time. The perfect community is a myth. One of the things that we need to understand, and, and the sooner we understand it's going to be better for you and for me to, to grow in our spiritual walk with Christ, a perfect community is a myth. See, because if our condition, if your condition, if my condition to get involved in something called like a church or call a, a God-centered community or a cell group or whatever you want to call it. If your condition and my condition to get involved in a community is based on the benchmark called perfection, you're going to be disappointed. We, we, will, we will never be a fully flawless community. And, and I thought, by, by, by just putting this out there, I want to kind of help some of you, or maybe all of us, take that pressure off. Because when it comes to building a new church, right? When it comes to gathering people together, this is one of the things that you, you and me will always be challenged with. Hey, are you guys, like, what's your stand on this as a church? What do you think about so-and-so? Okay, how do you look at certain people like this? And, and what, what's, your, what's your official statement? What's your doctrinal statement when it comes to things like that? And, and I'm not disregarding any of that, okay? Please do not get me wrong. But I want to tell you, the, it takes, when it, comes to, when it comes to the word community, and when it comes to the church, when it comes to a God-centered community, community is messy. Community is messy, church. Because you and me need to get this one thing sorted in our hearts and in our minds. We are broken people. And, and that's the entire reason why you and me need a savior. 
That's the entire reason why we need someone who, who, who knows our future, who knows the wretched past, who knows everything, how we can mess up things, and who is still willing to work with you, and he is Jesus. And that's the person that you need and I need and we all need as a community because if we, if we look at ourselves through our lenses, we will always find flaws and faults. But it's God and His grace that gives us the perspective, the God perspective to really understand that even though a community is messy, we still have hope. Because we are focusing and looking at Jesus. We are looking at Jesus. And, and the very reason Paul starts by addressing the Ephesians in this particular way. By the way, he doesn't start like this. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and let's read about these, the starting two to three verses. And this is what Paul is telling them. With, with tender humility. Just help me out guys, okay? Everybody say humility. humility. And quiet. Patience, Patience. Uh, always demonstrate, say, gentleness and generous love towards one another. Es yeah, especially towards those who may try your patience. Come on. It's okay. You can, you can just let it out. Take it easy. Just say what, whatever is going on in your mind. Especially with, with who? I know, right? Brian, thank God you're sitting far away from your parents tonight. <laughs> Especially with people who try your patience. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in bonds of what? In bonds of peace. Being one body and one spirit as you were called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. Paul is telling you and me to practice all these values. And the reason Paul is addressing these, these exact words to the city of Ephesians is because that city was exactly contrary to all of this that Paul is asking them to do. They were, they were given in to paganism. They were giving in to, to a, lot of, a lot of cultures that were so contrary to every possible way. Contrary to morality, contrary to the word of God. And that is the kind of city that the community of Ephesians church was meeting in. By the way, let's look around ourselves in the city of Pune. What are the kind of cultures and what are the kind of challenges that you and me are battling with? Because as much as this letter is written to the, to, the, to the city of Ephesians, today I believe God is speaking through this to you and me. And God wants to challenge you and me through this, through this scripture tonight. That let's demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another and especially those who try your patience. And I know it's not easy. But it's possible with God and an understanding of the scripture, it's possible. So the myth, the first myth, like I said, I want to tell you is that the perfect community is a myth. We will, we will always have challenges even as we grow. So I want to relieve if, if, there's, if there are people who have, who have committed to building zealous, I want to just relieve you of that pressure. 
And I, as a leader of this community, I want to tell you, we will never be perfect. That hurts, right? But that's the truth. But what's, what's exciting for me is the fact that Jesus never focuses on perfection. Anybody excited about that? God, when he's looking at you right now, he is not looking for you to be perfect. He is not looking for you to be perfect. And, and before you go ahead and make assumptions or judgments, let me just tell you something. You know, it's, it's our faith and revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what he has done for humanity that compels us to live our lives according to his word. It's our faith and revelation in Christ. See, both are important, faith and revelation. Not just one or not just the other, but both are important. Your faith and your revelation. What, who is Jesus to you at this very moment? If I have to ask this question to you, don't have to answer it back to me. But if you, if you can just get thinking along with me and, and answer this for yourself. Who is Jesus to you tonight, right now, even as you're seated over here? What's your personal revelation about Jesus? What's your faith when it comes to understanding and knowing of where, who God is? Because Jesus, like I said, he never emphasizes on perfection, but on progression. The emphasis of Jesus will always be on your progression when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. And I know this is, this, is, this is sometimes, it seems, and it comes across too easy. Okay, Ninad, how do you define what, what's progression? I can tell you the, the best way, it's completely the opposite of perfection. Because thank God that we are not found in the same place where we were once found. When it comes to our shame, when it comes to our flaws, when it comes to our, our weaknesses, when it comes to our wickedness, when it comes to our brokenness. I, I want to thank God that you and me took this opportunity to come here and be here because you believe that something is possible when it comes to God and you. I call that progression. I believe God also calls it progression. I thank God that you are not caught up in a place of isolation that where you are constantly choosing to surround yourself with the problems and the challenges that are constantly talking to you. But you choose to come and be in a place where you can practice your intimacy with God on a consistent basis. God sees that as progression. And I know we all need to work when it comes to our spiritual life. We all need to have, we have so many things that we can put in order. But I want to just tell you guys, it's not about perfection. It's never going to be about perfection. But Jesus desires a progressive relationship. If, if, there's, if there's hope that is being stirred every time you are here, I believe you are responding to the progressive relationship that Jesus is longing with you. If there is peace that you encounter by the time you leave this place, it's, it's not everything that we do. It's, a, it's, it's the presence of God that is acting and moving in your life at this very moment. And when you walk out, it's that same peace that goes with you. That's progression. So while we have a lot of flaws that we can continue to deal with, God is focused 
on asking you this simple, simple question. Are you and me really progressing when it comes to our Christian walk? Are we? See, because if, if God is, like we sang, we have a new life in Christ. We have a hope in Christ. And if that hope is found in a person of Jesus, and if Jesus gives you the new life for you and me to encounter, it's only the new life in Christ that can be best experienced in something called community. It cannot be experienced in isolation. You can try and, 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 and do this. You can try and say that, okay, when it comes to my spiritual walk, I'll do it by myself. I, I know the internet is there for me. I can listen to a lot of YouTube sermons and I can listen to a lot of music online and Spotify and things like that. And, and a lot of all those things can continue to happen. But I want to tell you, you are falling under the trap of isolation. And God cannot work in isolation because God himself works in a community, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and God works the best in a community. So when you and me make an intentional choice to, to show up for a Sunday gathering, we are not just showing up to kill those two or three hours, right? I hope not. We are looking because it's, it's only in a place of a community where we learn, where we grow, and we mature together. It's about doing this journey together. The best news about Christian faith is that we don't have to do this walk alone. I, I said this a few weeks back, and all the Liverpool guys, if there's anyone, you never have to walk alone. Right? But that's exactly what God is telling you. You do not have to do this Christian life alone. You don't have to do it alone. Because when, when we're talking about the old life and we're talking about the new life, how many of we really know this, right? The journey, the transition journey from the old to the new is always messy. Anybody with me on that? The journey from the old to the new is, is challenging, we feel like giving up. We feel like, oh man, I, I don't think I have it anymore to meet these standards that are mentioned in the Bible. But we are never meant to do this on our own strength. Even though the journey from the old to the new is messy, God is okay with that. I want to I say this to someone. God is okay between the transition in your life from the old to the new. Those things are not perfect. Those things are not the way you thought they should be. God is okay with that. But I'll tell you what, what the danger is and what, what God and you are in the danger of is when stagnancy kicks in. When you and me fall into this trap of telling and convincing ourselves that we no longer, we no longer need to progress in our Christian walk or, or in our relationship with Christ, that's a dangerous ground that you and me are living in. If you are comfortable with where you were in your walk or your relationship with Jesus two years back, and if you feel staying the way how you connected and related with God two years back, and if you're still doing that, I think you, you and me need to reevaluate the kind of relationship you're having with God. I think I need to get closer because it's getting quiet. You know, the danger is when progression takes a back seat and, and the perfectionist inside of you comes out. Or, or if I may use the word, the legalistic side of you comes out. 
That's a dangerous place that you and me are living in. See, because building a God-centered community, it just doesn't happen by itself. Can everybody say that? It just doesn't happen. You guys want some more coffee or ice tea? Just checking, you know, because like all of a sudden there's a dip. It just doesn't happen like that. It just does not happen by coincidence. Because building a God-centered community takes commitment over convenience. It takes commitment over convenience. You know, uh, we, we, were just, we, we spoke about home groups. We forgot. Did we announce about home groups? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. We, I kind of killed it for you guys. I think there was a surprise that these guys were setting up. But anyways, we have been announcing about home groups since the last few weeks. And, and I want to thank some of the guys who have committed to host and run the home groups. They have gone beyond their convenience and they have committed to take, to, to take this up. And that's one of the perfect examples of building a God-centered community. Because let's be real, if you are to build a church in today's culture, it's not going to be according to your convenience and my convenience. Are, are we in together on this? Right, just, just wondering, okay? You guys are freaking me out. It's not going to be according to your convenience. As much as we would want it to be, it's not going to be according to our convenience. It, it's always about committing See, because a community unites because of a cause. If we call ourselves a community, we cannot exist as a community if there's no cause. Our, our, our cause is Jesus. Our cause is people. And we want to see the lost come to the knowledge of the saving knowledge of Jesus. We want to see the ones who never had hope find hope in Jesus. We want to see the ones who are far away from God come and experience the true tangible presence and love of God in everything that we do. And that takes con commitment, guys. That takes commitment. Intentional choices of, of letting go of your convenience and committing. That's the only way we can build a God-centered community. See, the disciples, they learned it the hard way, but they got the lesson. The more they hung out with Jesus... They let go of their convenience. And they were committed. Even though they failed, they came back and they still committed. Even though they, they messed up, they came back and they still committed. Tell the person next to you, it's about commitment. It's not about convenience. See, because it's only when you commit to a God-centered community is where you will see your new life come alive more. It's when you commit to, to being a part of everything that God is doing in the midst of this community called Zealous. You will see your new life come alive. Because when, when, when Jesus died for you, he just didn't die so that you can live according to your convenience. He died so that he, can, he could bring out the new you. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to help this community understand that, hey, it's not enough to just know God, 
It's not just enough to know what, what Jesus did. Like sometimes we, we are so, so used to the fact that, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. He, he, he died, he was buried, he raised up. But all of that was to bring you out from your old self and plug you in to your new life. For every one of you. Not just a few of you. Not just the perfect ones, but even the imperfect ones, even the ones who are the furthest away from God, Jesus did that for you. And tonight, even as we are wrapping up about this, uh, the community part of it, a transformative life change through Jesus is fully experienced in a community. See, because when Paul is talking to these guys in the city of Ephesians, he, he's encouraging them, you need to let go of your old self. And I, and I want to take this opportunity and just say it just how as Paul said it. There's some people over here, you need to let go of your old self. The same things that we kept on doing, the same patterns, the same loops that you are, you are caught up in. God is, God is really challenging you tonight. You need to let go of your old self. Because until you make an intentional decision to let go of your old, you can never walk in to the new life that you have in Jesus. Until you make an intentional choice to allow God to work in your life, you can never, the old life can never separate from you. And we can never talk about being patient. We can never talk about loving passionately and serving generously. We can never talk about humility unless you give Jesus an opportunity to step into your life and, and change the dimensions from the old and help you step into the new. That's what a transformation looks like. You know, because I was, I was reading Ephesians 4.24 and, and the Greek word, that, that Paul used in this place was this word called kainon. Or, or some of you might be familiar to this word called kainos. You know, these all basically come out from this, from this root word called kainon. And, and it's usually we, we refer to this word called renew. You know, where Paul says, renew your mind. Renew your mind. And he says this in, in a couple of instances. But this one, this, this word kainon is altogether different. He's not just talking about renewal. When he's talking, using this word, he's talking about a new identity. That means an altogether new identity. It's not just like a makeshift version that Paul is encouraging these guys to have. It's not like, you know, you, you kind of tweak certain things. He is challenging them. You need to be new altogether. So it's not like a part of you is new and a part of you is old. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't talk about saying, okay, I want, to take, I want to take an intentional choice to love and forgive and still have bitterness. Wow, man, you guys are like, okay. It's okay, Nenad, go on. See, when Jesus, when Paul, when Paul is speaking to these guys, God is really challenging the city of Ephesians or the community of believers to be to live a life that is all together new. And I want to just I want to just be obedient as how Paul said it. I want to just take it up and quote Ephesians 4:24 to you. It's about being all new. It's not just a part of your life. Your entire life 
Because Jesus didn't die for a part of your life, right? He didn't die just so that you could be emotionally stable. He didn't die so that you can have like good finances. He didn't die so that you can have a promising career. He died for the entire part of your ecosystem. Everything, your past, your present, your future. Jesus paid his life on the cross for everything. And when God is giving you and me a command that be renewed, he is challenging you and me to do this all together. Can everybody say that? All together. All together new. And the all together new is only possible in a community like this. See, we can try and, tr and try and try and make it possible with yourself or just by yourself, but you will always be limited. You will always be limited if you try to do this by yourself. But in a community, or rather in a God-centered community, things are different. When, when you feel like giving up, there is someone who walks up to you, hey man, you're doing good, just carry on. When you feel in the worst place of your life, there is somebody there to encourage you. When, when you're down and out, there is somebody there to give you a hand and pick you up. And I want us to be that community. Forget about me. God wants you and me to be that kind of a community, church. We're not just there to celebrate victories. We're there to stand with each other's failures as well. That's the God-centered community that we desire to build through Zealous. So let's commit to a continuous progression in our spiritual lives with an intentional commitment to the Word of God. Because altogether new can only happen if we commit not to Sunday gatherings. The altogether new will only happen not if we, we, we commit to cell groups and pizza parties and things like that. All that is great. I love it. But the altogether new is going to be possible when you and me make an intentional choice to commit to the word of God. Because it's the word, it's the, it's the word of God that's going to let go, that's going to help you let go of your old self and push you into the new. It's the word of God that's going to, that's going to act as a mirror to you and help you understand the flaws that you have, the flaws that I have. And it's the word of God that's going to always convict you. To walk in to the new life and be the new man that Paul is talking about. So I don't know where you stand when it comes to your journey or your walk with Jesus. Some of you may not have even started putting your faith in him. Maybe tonight can be the starting place for you. Some of you have, have gotten too comfortable with the kind of relationship you have with God like you know, you pray and God sometimes answers, sometimes you don't hear, but you're still okay with that. And like, you're just okay with everything that's happening with you. Things are going fine, you're okay. Things are not going fine, you're still, like you've still convinced yourself to be okay. But God is challenging you that He is keen and He is excited for you to walk into the new life and be the new person that Jesus desires for you to be. And that is going to be possible if we commit to the word of God. So I want to challenge you with this myth and this reality and the truth 
that we spoke about. It's your commitment over convenience to Jesus and to his word that's going to help us be a God-centered community. Amen? I really, really, really want to see us grow the way God desires for us to grow. See, because if we just grow in numbers, we can celebrate that. But there'll be a day where, where, we, where we won't be able to celebrate that because we're just growing in numbers and we're not growing in depth. If we just focus on growing only in reading the word, it's not going to be far where we just become readers of the word and not doers. But God expects us to be doers of the word as well, right? And I, and I love, you know, we were just talking about the home group. And, and even as we're doing the connect groups from this week, as we kick them off, we are looking at seeing how we can create opportunities for all of us to plug into the home group, not just for attendance, but to see how you and me can apply what we are hearing on a consistent basis. Because that's the key. Because I just want to wrap this up. If we are to be a God-centered community, one of the best ways of doing that is living as a disciple. One of the best ways to do that is live as a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is the one who takes a command and just follows it. I have, we have a colonel who's sitting over here. He'll tell you the importance of obeying a command. It's not based on your convenience. Am I right, Colonel? It's never based on your convenience. It's about a command that is given to you and me, and we're expected to just do it because of the great future that God has for you and me. So for the next, even as we wrap up this part called, this value called community, and even as we make, I hope by the end of this, you are able to constantly extend your circle. I hope by the end of these two weeks, you are able to get this one simple fact in your mind that everybody around you belongs to the family of God. Everyone belongs. Let's make Zealous a place where myths are busted. Let's make Zealous a place where realities are engaged with. And let's make Zealous a place where truth is embraced and lived out. That's the only way you and me can be a God-centered community. I want to challenge you tonight to just check your heart when it comes to your commitment to Jesus. Where does it stand? Where do you stand when it comes to your commitment to Jesus? Because Paul is saying, as you have heard about it. You know who Jesus is. You know what he has done for you. You know everything that comes to you and me because of what Jesus has done. But are you just going to be listening and listening and listening and not do anything to engage and live out the life for the very purpose what Jesus did for you and for me? 
and i want to encourage you if you have never made a commitment to jesus tonight can be your night if you have never if you have never lived out your commitment for a long time tonight can be your night hey thank you for joining us today go ahead and follow us on instagram at zelis pune or visit us at our website zelis.community to know more about us